I was early for Thunder Interviews Tuesday, and full disclosure, I'm not usually somebody who's early for things. It was the first day of camp, and though I know Mark Dagnot a little, I've never covered one of his NBA teams. I don't know if his practices tend to run long or short, how quickly things happen when they end. So I got to the Thunder Ion, the team's practice facility, about 10 minutes before I had to. Actually, Park started walking, doubled back to get my umbrella because I figured I got the time. When I got inside, there was nobody in the media room. All my fellow reporters were already on the court for the end of practice, and I made it out there for interviews, but not by much. So what happened? Why were things so early? Well, Dagnall called his team's first practice really, really tight, and there's a reason for that. There are a lot of guys returning to this Thunder team from a season ago. And as Dagnall pointed out, OKC tries to run its summer league the same way it runs its team. So even rookies like Kaysen Wallace and Keontae Johnson know a lot of terminology. Guard Isaiah Joe, in fact, said nobody looked like it was their first NBA training game. This is a notable thing about this Thunder team. Yes, it's young, but it's built the way a lot of good teams are built, with a talented core returning, some new young pieces, and guys with some experience in the NBA and elsewhere kind of rounding out the margins. It's also coming off a play-in tournament appearance. It has a first-team All-NBA guard, and one of those new rookie additions was the number two pick in the 2022 NBA draft. So it stood out on media day when the Thunder talked a lot, but didn't say much about what comes next. There were no big playoff predictions, no bold proclamations that they'd make a leap. I wrote this week that it's a team, at least publicly, that's still very focused on process, more so than progress. It's also a team with a preseason game in less than a week against some guy from San Antonio. If he plays, it'll be kind of a big deal. So I'm checking back in with my sellout crowd colleague, John Hamm, today to talk about what we learned from Media Day, what we make of the Thunder right now, and what we're looking forward to next week. I'm Brett Dawson, and this is Heard Thunder. Before we get started with John Hamm, I want to take a moment to thank the sponsors who support our show, MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. Ham, welcome back. Good to have you. I I am back. We are back together again like we usually are. You and I are together a lot for these things. I know. And you know, I'm always happy to talk to you at a time when everybody in Oklahoma is focused on basketball. There's no distractions on the football side of things. Everybody is just <laughs> thinking about the Thunder and Thunder Media Day, and they just can't wait for maybe Victor Wimanyama, assuming he plays, like maybe he's coming here Monday, and that's all the city is talking. Yeah, I mean, Monday is OU versus Texas, and that is the game that people are anticipating, right? Yeah, correct. That's Monday Monday night on NBA TV, right, OU Texas? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I don't see any flaws in that. Do you have an OU Texas prediction? I do not, just to be clear. Um, I mean, I, I have, I've had one for a few days. I mean, look, Texas is really good. And, and I know like, I'm probably not allowed to say that in this state and given, you know, where, where my, you know, allegiances lie towards OU and OSU. But, you know, reality is that Texas is ranked number two or number three in the country. I forget where, depending on what poll for good reason. So, you know, OU as has been, they have impressed to this point. But you have to consider the level of competition they've got up against, um, which is a little bit lacking. And so, you know, given all of that, I'm still leaning Texas at this point, but I'm willing to give it a few days just in case, like, I don't know, Texas decides not to play its first two lines of, of, uh, of players in this game or something. 
Yeah. It's good that we're talking about this because it's not like sell a crowd as anywhere else. People can go to get this kind of expert football analysis. You yeah, know, it's not right. like you could just go yeah. listen to the Letterman jacket or the uh, Jenny and Barry show or anything like that. We're really where you come. Or mind for games. Expert, yeah. Football. Dot pod yeah, in the trenches. This is, yeah. This is really where people come. They're thinking herd thundering. Yes. Uh, is where I want to go to hear soonering. That's what they're thinking. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Ham, how was your media day? How how did your media day go? You know, a lot like you, Brett, it was my first media day in a few years, or at least the Thunder media day. You've, you know, had the opportunity, you know, since I was, I went to 2019, um, which was the Chris Paul season. Um, but I haven't been to a media day since then. Didn't really have a reason to. Um, but with this year, and obviously it was a different environment being at the convention center. Normally this is held at Paycom Center. Um, but I liked having it at the convention center. I felt like the thing moved really quickly. I mean, they just sort of got guys from place to place and 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 they knocked out their commitments. Um, a lot of guys were in a very good mood, you know, as they went from place to place to do their thing. And, um, you know, we spent most of our time in the media room, but I feel like, you know, we, we came away with that with, um, sure, there was a lot of canned responses, but I think we could sort of take away just sort of the overall uh, mood, so, sort of the, the optimism. And, and I described it as like this team was very centered. That's sort of how I came away thinking, you know what, they're, 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 not, they're not any one way or another in, in terms of direction. They're pretty centered. That's an interesting way of putting it. Phil Jackson would really appreciate that. A centered basketball team, you know, like very zen, yeah. um, very in control of their breathing. I think that would be good um, for, I guess, mm -hmm. for, for, a, for a Phil team. And the Thunder sort of, they don't feel very zen. Sam Presley's much more practical than that, I think, than he is like a – uh, he's not so far out, but I do think that's a good way of describing a team that Presty would like, you know, that they're sort of uh, yeah. down the middle is a thing I think he he would enjoy. Yeah. And, um, and that's sort of how I came away with that thinking, because, you know, it, there were a lot of things in terms of, you know, Shea's accomplishments last season, obviously uh, Visie Michich's accomplishments overseas. And like they were mentioned, but it's like at every opportunity, it was sort of, you know, yeah, that's a thing that happened. But however, our focus is here in the middle, not on, on these things out here to the side. Right. I think uh, your point about efficiency is well taken. Uh, shouts to the Thunder and everybody. I mean, like often there were, uh, we talked about this on another podcast this week, there were often there were like two guys waiting to come into the media room. And so like in the main media room, as soon as somebody stepped out, uh, somebody else was walking right back in. We got in and out of that main media room in three hours, which is a real accomplishment. Like 11 to 2 is pretty yeah. great, um, given how many guys have to cycle through there. That's exactly what they schedule. So they were right exactly on the schedule. I think we walked out of there at 2.01 when Case and Wallace finished. So that was pretty great. Things were quick. Um, nobody got really mad at any questions. I think I managed to break that streak today. I annoyed Chet Holmgren in the very first, uh, at the very first practice. Um, so that was fun. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but what was, uh, if you, if you had a, uh, a moment in the main media room, uh, a quote, what was the thing that jumped out to you? We'll talk about bigger themes in a minute, but, but in terms of like a moment, what, what got you? Um, yeah, weirdly enough, I, I, I had one thought and that was Davis Bertans describing how he got traded. Cause I'm always fascinated by, you know, people tend to forget these are real human beings with families that, you know, they have to be uprooted. And so like, I, I always tend to gravitate towards like, how does someone get the news that you've got to uproot and go somewhere else 
for your career. Um, but actually stepping back a little bit, this is something that I didn't write about and I should have added more to it. Josh Giddy assumed a whole lot of responsibility for yeah. Australia's performance in the World Cup. Um, we didn't really talk about it much in the moment. I don't remember seeing a lot of tweets about it, but you know, it, you could tell like that did not sit well with him and that he expected a lot more. And um, I, that's a lot to put on a 20 year old kid, by the way, you know, but still um, it, that's something that I was thinking back today, like, man, Josh really kind of felt that. And I, he, he expected more of himself. He expected more of his team. And um, you know, it, that, that's something to kind of, uh, you know, to kind of look a little bit deeper at, I think. Yeah. He talked about um, the world cup being the kinds of games that he loves. And we saw that last year, he was so good in that first play in game and then not so good in the second one in Minneapolis. And so um, interesting, I think, perspective from him coming off the way the season ended to have his summer go that way. He was very responsible for how far Australia got. And I think also, you know, as he put it, felt pretty responsible for where they didn't get. I thought that that's a good point. It's pretty notable and not something we talked about a lot the first day. I'm a media day um, traditionalist. So I always like the, uh, I like whatever variation we get and we get it almost every Thunder media day of like, I don't need the distractions of a big city. Uh, so we, we got that from, um, from Vasa Misic. Um, yes. He said he didn't need a lot of things and, and was sort of set up for that by uh, his, his countryman, um, Alexei Pokashevsky, who was asked if he was showing Misic around. And he said, there's not much to show him, uh, which is uh, exactly, it's uh, probably not going on the convention and visitors bureau website or uh, any brochures yeah. anytime soon. I, I, Something about that. I live in Oklahoma City. I like Oklahoma City. And yet I, I get an endless kick out of players doing that. Yeah, I added that to my uh, to my story today where I, where I pulled the curtain back a little bit to explain kind of the purpose of Media Day, how it's more than for the media types. It is to get like the team gets media that they use throughout the season. Um and I mentioned this moment with, uh, with with Poku saying that. And, yeah, my first reaction was to get really defensive about it. But then I realized, like, literally, uh, Michich could be my son. I mean, like, I'm 18 years older than him. So, you know, and, and I'm, I'm old, you know, Pokashevsky's younger than Michich. So, you know, what interests them and what interests me are totally different ends of the spectrum there. So maybe they have a point. I don't know. I'm perfectly fine. I, I, I'm pretty passionate about where we live. Um, but, you know, maybe there's some 20 year olds that, that, that kind of wish there was just a couple more things happening here. Me too. I chose to live here. I moved back here before I had this job. I wanted to live in Oklahoma City. So I do like it. Yeah. You know, it was really, it was interesting. You weren't there for this because it was a practice uh, on Tuesday as opposed to media day on Monday. But Mark Dagnall was asked a question about maybe the advantages and challenges of having so many international guys. And he talked about how there weren't really a lot of challenges. Those guys mostly are pretty good English speakers and basketball, as he put it, is kind of a universal language. And so, you know, when they get on the court together at practice, very comfortable. He said the the challenges are probably when those guys leave. It's when they walk out of the facility. It's when they leave the game. And culturally, things are very different. Poku talked about his emotional attachment to the food of his native country and, and how much he missed that. And having his family in town right now to cook for him was making him so happy. Um, and that is that's an interesting thing, too. You mentioned um, the trade, the Bertons trade. I once wrote a story um, with Doug McDermott and Taj Gibson about what it was like 
when you get traded in season, I learned some things about, you know, the league pays for 41 days in a hotel. And so you're, you're there and you've got, you know, like Doug McDermott forgot his earbuds, uh, his AirPods and somebody sent him a pair, uh, like a local company that made them, sent him some, that kind of stuff. Um, so th that stuff always fascinates me when you can take the NBA and sort of equate it to someone's job. It's, it's hard to do because it's not like your job. It's different. Um, but yeah. I do always enjoy it. These guys are, um, in a lot of ways, they're coming back to work. It's like they've been on vacation and now they're coming back to the place where they work. It's like coming home from summer camp or the first day of school, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's, I described, you know, media day and the start of training camp as, you know, part high school reunion, um, you know, um, uh, Part interrogation, very mild, you know, from the media, because, I mean, I, I would not want to go to my job on Monday and have to be peppered for, you know, 10 minutes with questions that I had to answer. You know, it, it is a very unusual environment. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's not just like the players are coming back to work and obviously they've seen each other for a while and they have a rapport with each other. But, you know, the media people are coming back and they haven't seen each other in a few months and you're getting caught up on yeah, how was your summer and how's the family doing and people you haven't seen in a long time. So it's, it's a, it's an excellent uh, get caught up moment again for, for the team itself to kind of reintroduce themselves to everyone. Uh, but also for the people that cover the team as well, just to sort of, uh, you know, to, to do fist bumps again. Yeah. For people who haven't read that, go to sell crown and read John's story. It's really interesting kind of, um, there are a lot of curtains at media day. So you didn't literally lift any and you didn't lift the one that Barry Trammell steamed for us. Um, to have as our, our backdrop, to get the wrinkles out of our backdrop for um, uh, video interviews. We are a startup after all. We don't have, we, we don't we, have somebody here to steam the curtains. We, we do not have those resources. And, and let me say, a, a couple of times a sellout crowd has gotten together for things. One of these was Media Day when, yes, Barry Trammell was, I have a picture of him steaming the curtain to get the wrinkles out. And during our photo shoot, uh, like the, the makeup artist like dropped like all of her brushes on the floor. And while we're all looking, Barry Trammell is over, you know, hunched over on the ground collecting these things for her. Man of the people. A great American, great Oklahoman, that Barry Trammell. Um, yes. You talked about players not getting grilled. I, I, I don't think I grilled Chet Holmgren today, but I don't think he loved um, – one question that I asked him, we, we, when we were talking to Mark Dagnall, I was curious. I'm a, I'm a process person. I'm a basic facts kind of person, and I wanted to know, hey, as you start practice, is there anything with Chet, any holding back, anything you have to concern yourself with? And Mark said, no, there's nothing, you know, he's – He's playing. He's cleared to play. They split up into three teams today. Chet had no restrictions. Um, and from Chet, what I wanted to know was basically just like players talk about this all the time, that there's after you get over the physical part of an injury, there's this mental part you have to get over where you stop thinking, can I cut on this? Can I jump on it? Is backpedaling OK? Is everything OK? And I just asked Chet a question along those lines. Are you past the point where you think about it? I don't, he didn't get mad. He didn't snap. But you could tell it was a thing. He, he said very quickly, I haven't really thought about it since it happened. It's a thing that happened. And I kind of moved on pretty quickly. And I wasn't suggesting that he was haunted by it or anything like that. I genuinely was wondering. <laughs> and he, he did answer my follow-up question. He's not concerned about whether he can cut, whether he can stop and go. That kind of stuff doesn't bother him. I will say this. If Chet Holmgren is not thinking about his right foot, He's one of the very few people in the Thunder orbit who isn't because I get asked about it all the time. I get asked about his durability constantly. It's a question that comes up yeah. a lot. But Chet was also, uh, if there was a, a man of the 
moment at Media Day, it was Chet. He's the most interesting sort of new thing, I think. Mark Dagnall, about three or four questions in, said every question seems to be about him. Uh, and, and that was true for a, a stretch of time. I, uh, everybody got asked about Chet, and I know because I was often the one asking it. Um, what, what did you... What was your Chet takeaway from Media Day? I, one thing that I just thought of as you're telling this story, I, I believe it was the first preseason game I went to, which was 2015-16 when Kevin Durant came back from the foot injury. And I still remember him being asked in the locker room after the first preseason game, how's the foot, any side effects or whatever? And Kevin just shook his head and said, next question, which are two words that we're very familiar with in this state <laughs> from our pro athletes, wow. by the way. That was before it was. That was before it was cool. Exactly. No, I, I still, I still remember Kevin doing that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that these guys just want to, you know, just want to move past it. Uh, but on the other hand, like we can't help but, but wonder, okay? Because like you say, uh, uh, the the physical pain is probably long gone, right? But how much of that? And we know this from any number of injuries where physically I feel fine, but man, just sometimes I like I experience this once. What if it happens again? And you know, some guys it just it takes a little bit longer to get past that. Maybe because Chet has actually been playing, you know, fairly competitive basketball for a while that that he's a lot further along in that. Um, but you know, he was the guy that players were asked about the most when it came in terms of your teammate Shay and Giddy and you know the the little time we got with J Dub and and others it was all about you know what does Chet bring to the team how is he going to help you what have you seen from him uh because I think it's you know fairly well understood I mean this guy has the potential to unlock a lot of things that this team is going to do now and is is a pretty good dial for where this team could go in the future yeah, I mean, there's no question. I think there were two stories at Media Day that made a lot of sense to me. Um, one was Chet. Whatever the Chet story you wanted to do, there were any number of options. Uh, the other was Mitich, because those are the two. Chet is less of a mystery. We saw Chet at Gonzaga. Many of us saw Chet play USA basketball against uh, a guy named Victor Wimanyama, who we're going to talk about here in just mm-hmm. a minute, I promise. Um but we saw Chet. We've seen Chet in uh, a couple of summer leagues. So we, we've seen quite a bit of Chet. The, the question is, you know, what's it look like when you put Chet with Shea Gildas-Alexander? He was asked that question today, and he said exciting, which was basically the only uh, <laughs> word he gave to describe that situation, the, the pairing of the two of them. Um, Mitzic is a genuine mystery man. Not that he's – look. it's not like the jury's out on whether he can play. He's one of the great EuroLeague players. But – you're probably not watching a ton of EuroLeague uh, if, unless you're a psychopath like some of us are. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, before I ask you to, before I ask you to talk about that, uh, it's a great segue. I think it was Joe Masato today asked Mark uh, Dagnall, did you watch, um, did you get to watch Shea and, and Giddy? Did you watch those guys in the World Cup? And Mark said, not live, I can tell you that much. Um, so he, he was not, <laughs> he was not watching at the odd hours they were playing. He actually got an edit put together yeah. for him uh, so he could watch that way. Um, but And also he said, I uh, didn't get great internet on the beach. So not a lot of watching those clips even in the moment. Nice. Um, nice. Good for him, I, by the way. Good for him. Yes. 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 Some basketball people can't get away from basketball. And I think it's it's pretty clear he can't. Basically what he said is, you know, if the kids are down, we're down. So we're not watching basketball at all hours because, if you know, that's when we sleep. So. Um, Absolutely. But th- th- 
on the on the point of Mitic, I thought he was pretty. Um, he's he's uh, one question I always have when those guys arrive. He's quite fluent in English. His English is it's not his first language, but he's really good at it. He's very conversant. Um, I had met him before, so I had already kind of made a little bit of a first impression. But what was yours when he was sitting in there with us? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you, you know, you had pointed this out on a pod we did afterwards. Like, uh, the first question is asked and before he answers, he was like, by the way, hello, everyone. Um, yes. Yeah. And, you know, it, maybe this is, I, I don't know if that was a, this is a new environment. This, you know, I, I want to make sure and get off on the right foot. I don't know if this is a European thing, but, um, you know, it was, it, it was appreciated by the way. Um, and yeah, he was, um, uh, he was solid is a word that comes to mind. Uh, he was not phased by anything that was asked of him. And it's not like he was super grilled by anything. Um, but, you know, even when he was asked about when his rights were held by Philadelphia and he said that he'd never negotiated with them uh, when he talked about, you know, expectations for the team. And, and he sounds like he's at peace for whatever the role that, that he's going to have, that he's not, you know, coming in expecting, you know, to be in the photo with four other starters that, uh, that they have at media day. Um, and so like, you know, again, it's, it, everything is kind of, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward, I would say for that. Obviously, like you say, we don't have a great read on how his game will translate to the NBA level. He even admitted that he expects the NBA game to be more physical. Uh, and that'll be something that's obviously going to be adjustment for him as well. Um, and that he'll try to find ways that, that he can, can, can contribute, but you know, it's it's not always a successful uh, transition from Euro basketball to NBA basketball. And I mean, we've seen it the other direction in the World Cup where we saw NBA players struggle playing, you know, European style basketball. It, it can be very different styles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was another thing Mark talked about today. What he did watch, the differences in the way people guarded Shea, more ball pressure up the floor. Uh, more double teaming, which the Thunder started to see last year, but uh, as Mark pointed out, mm -hmm. saw less of than what he saw over there. Um, so that that stuff was really interesting. Uh, Mitzich had a great moment to me. I, I asked him about, um, you know, getting hazed essentially as a rookie, and he said, "I think they will not do this uh, with me in terms of like <laughs> carrying bags and all that stuff." Uh, he's a grown man. He's a man. He's twenty nine, um, and, mm -hmm. uh, and 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 a fun story about his jersey number, which you had asked him about. Yeah, yeah, I was curious because I mean this is stuff that I monitor. You know, I'm I'm always fascinated by, you know, what numbers that players wear cuz and and I'm the, the stories as well. There's a lot of stories that are written about players and and why this number became there. Sometimes it was well, it was the number that was available. Sometimes it's something that's very personal. Um and so I had an inkling what the answer was going to be with Micic because uh overseas, if go pull up any picture of him, uh, playing overseas, he's wearing number 22, uh, but he's wearing number 29 in Oklahoma City. So I asked him about it, and and so he explained that 22 is his favorite number, but Cason Wallace had been drafted. Cason Wallace got the number and had it before uh, Mitchell signed his contract, so he took number 29 because of his age, which I expected. Um, but yeah, he didn't come in demanding number 22. You know, he was yeah. uh, he was like, okay, I, I'll just I'll I'll take this other number instead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that's uh, a, f a fair point. I think it's a notable point that he was not trying to make a big deal out of that, that he didn't come in and offer Casey Wallace money. I mean, maybe he did offer. I don't know. <laughs> but it didn't, it yeah. didn't, he didn't yeah. convey that in the story. Let's say that. It's, uh, that's certainly yeah. for sure. Um, 
You know, I, I feel like it's funny. We've done a couple of podcasts now and talked about media day. We haven't talked much about Shay because Shay is, uh, is who he is. And, uh, at, at a media day like that, not a lot of, um, I talked about this in the open. I wrote about this. We both talked about it. Um, they weren't very bold in terms of saying like, this is the year that we make a big move. They didn't talk about that sort of stuff. And Shay is the kind of guy who would, you'd want to be saying that kind of stuff if somebody was going to say it, right? He's the face of the team. Mm -hmm. He's the face of the franchise. So if one guy was going to come out and talk that way, I think it would be him. And he just didn't do it. And I, I think if he had, it would have been a much better story. Um, but the fact that he didn't is not, not a story. That that goes back to my you know initial thought of this this team being centered, not feeling themselves way too much right now, and understanding that you know last season um, they they beat expectations, but I mean it's like we're constantly reminded you know they weren't five hundred last year, um, which is a good message to get across to the team. Like you still have a lot of work to do, and um, you know I we also I think fans and media sort of have ideas in mind. Shea needs to take more threes. He needs to start taking five or six threes a game. Uh, was that 40% three-point shooting a few years ago? Was that real? And, you know, I, he was even asked about that, but it just comes down to he's going to take the shot that the defense gives him that makes the most sense in the moment, not necessarily going to come down and and start positioning himself purely to get a three-point shot off. If that comes as a result of what has been created, that's fine. Um, but yeah, the, just a, a much different way of sort of looking at this than, than those of us that are, you know, just looking at, uh, at raw stats and, and deciding how, how these need to be distributed. I respect that answer. And I also always hate when players say I'm going to take what the defense gives me. Cause like when you're one of the best players in the league, you dictate what the defense does in a lot of ways. So, you know, you're going to get the shot you want to get in a lot of circumstances. Um, before yeah. we go, Ham, I do want to talk about, look, preseason is preseason and I'm excited about it because it's basketball and I love basketball and I'm ready to watch uh, players play and I'm ready to start to get whatever hint we get of rotations. Spoiler, not much uh, to start off with. We won't find out a lot about that Monday, but a lot of times you have to go into a preseason game and say, okay, what is the reason for you to care about this particular preseason game? That is not hard on Monday if everybody who can play plays. Yes. Yes. If we get the Chet Wimby matchup that we have been waiting for, that, that will become like an actual important thing at important times during the regular season. But sure, if we could get a sneak peek of this, if we could just get like the teaser, you know, the, there's a yeah. blockbuster movie coming out later this year. We just want to see the teaser right now. The teaser never disappoints, right? I've never seen a bad movie trailer. So just give me a little bit of that. Just, just give me something to show me what it what, what it might look like when we get down the road and I'll be happy. That's what I, I want them to start, obviously. I want both guys to start. And then I don't care. They can play six minutes. <laughs> And the Spurs to be like, that's all. That's all we're getting out of Wimby tonight. Um, yeah. I'd be fine with that. I would like to see them guard each other on a couple of possessions. I'd like to see them guard each other on a, at a couple of different spots on the floor. And if that happens in three possessions, cool. It is a preseason opener. I could not have lower expectations for the first NBA preseason game. You're not going to get a ton of minutes out of starters. You're not going to get a whole lot of rotational hints. You're not going to get any of that stuff. But if you can give me three plays of Chet Vick, give me. And by the way, um, rotation, 
what what is that exactly to Mark Dagnalt? I mean, that, that is an ever evolving, completely. <laughs> That's right. We're not going to get hits. That's right. That's right. We won't get hits the game before the All Star break. You know, like we don't know. Yeah. It's going to change all the time. And he, it's it's philosophically a thing he wants to do to kind of keep guys on their toes and. That's that's very true. Now, we'll, we we might get, you know, the preseason can give us a, a hint at the starting five if he starts the same lineup every game in the preseason. We can reasonably think that that is going to be the, the core starting five. He may tweak it because he's want to do that with with different matchups and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, you're right. We're, we're not. That's why we can't even set our expectations there. That's why your best bet, especially on Monday night, is like the thing you really hope for Monday is like just look. I know what most of you are hoping for right now is that OU beats Texas. But after that, your next hope should just be that they both play. Um, nothing yeah. we've heard from the Thunder uh, indicates that Chet won't. I mean, I think every expectation is that, barring you know anything happening between now and then, he would play. I don't have a great sense for how the Spurs are going to use Wimbenyama in the preseason. Just I just haven't been there, and I don't know. But that's that's yeah. where all my karma's going right now. You know, it's like my alma mater's also playing Georgia. I'd like them to win a football game too. But but yeah. what I really want. I really want Chet and Women Yabba to both play. I want them to both start, and I want to see what we see, whatever it is. We can't draw anything from it, but it doesn't mean we won't try. Yeah, that'll be good. Seeing Vasa getting a, getting a few minutes at least to to at least introduce us to, you know, a, a couple of things he can do. Um, j- just to make sure. Again, this has been this has been a few years in the making with him uh just with oklahoma city to say nothing of his nba career so you know for a while it seemed like that okc was merely just his negotiating tactic to get a better deal overseas but now he's actually like a real basketball player so to actually see him get game minutes uh you know wearing a thunder jersey will be uh you know again the stakes are zero they're below zero but you know just at least get him out there and uh and and get him acclimated to uh to the nba physicality that he's uh concerned about Yep. One of the things guys talked about when they talked about Chet was, and, and I think you used this word earlier too, he unlocked some things. There's some different lineups, but with or without Chet, they have some interesting things they can do. They can put out a lineup of some pretty interesting shooters if they want to, because you can kind of get meets each other on the floor at the same time as, say, Bertons and Isaiah Joe, because um, you could have meets kind of run the point and do some stuff there. They've got uh, some some longer lineups. They've got, again, as you would expect with this team, they've got some some interesting small ball lineups. Um, I don't know how much we'll see in the first game because we're probably going to see, you know, like we're probably going to see more Case and Wallace or uh, Keontae Johnson than we're going to see later in preseason. Most likely that tends to happen. Um, so who knows mm-hmm. what we'll get, but I, I'm interested in some of the combinations he could roll out there. I I want to see weird things. I want to see Chet, Poku, and Usman Jang. Of course, we won't see Poku until the regular season, yeah, right. I suppose. But right. you know, uh, you you have these three guys that that are that are seven footers basically that could play the three front court positions. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of possibilities there, and um, you know, it's uh, it's it's exciting to finally to to finally see it start to unravel because we've spent a few months hypothesizing. And uh, now it's time to actually see some lab results. This is the thing. You know, we've talked a lot about college football today. This is what I love about the NBA. Um, It's not a month of camp. You know, like camp is a few weeks, but you play games while it's happening. So you don't have to wait long. Preseason games are 
it's funny because the, the best players will play a little more, but the returns are a little diminishing because at a certain point you just think, oh, my, get it over with. I want a real game. I want them to get to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I want a game that's going to matter in the standings. But you don't – you get to – like for people like us who write about this and talk about this, um, you want things to happen and you can't see practice. So the fact that we get something we get to see, something tangible, it's coming as soon as Monday. I am – Super excited about it. I'm always ready for the start. Me, uh, the preseason is a little bit like media day where I'm like so excited to get there. And then at the end, you're kind of like, okay, let's move on. You know, like I'm ready to go. Yes. But the beginning is so exciting. And Monday, because of who it could be, is is I, I cannot wait. I'm super pumped up for it. Yeah. After two weeks is when we're debating, do we really need five preseason games? Can't we just get by <laughs> with two or three at the most? And uh you know, sometimes the Thunder have done that. They, I think, they played six last season, and at the, you know, at the end of six, it's like, okay, yep, I think we're good. Let's get this ball rolling. Um, but yeah, sometimes you know, again, to, foot. Yeah, sometimes you used to play eight. You go to all those like college, and you go like yeah. your best players college campus and play like all that kind of stuff. I do not miss. Yeah, that. I do not miss the yeah seven or eight game preseasons. Yeah, it was it was unnecessary, but it was also business reasons. But um, but yeah, obviously football has got people occupied right now, especially OU Texas, but OSU as well. Um, but yeah, I mean the Thunder is uh, it's it's right around like the the real stuff is right around the corner. The the, the teaser is is going to be here in a matter of days. Yep, I will be glued to OU Texas right now. The Thunder are not scheduled to practice, so I get to be in front of the TV. Uh, watching the game, thought about making the trip down there. Anybody wants to drive me down and back, you know, holler at me. We'll talk. But I, I think I'll probably just uh, sit down on the couch uh, with the dog and and watch it that way. Ham, appreciate you being here. Uh, you can heck, check out all of John Ham's stuff on his website, johnham.com, or is it johnham.com? I don't want to give the actor's website. Uh, it's johnhamsports.com because yes, that other guy uh, exists and occupies some of my. He crowds my space a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I should have checked before I started saying that. Check out johnhamsports.com. If this is your first time hearing or watching the show, please be sure to subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave us a review. We'll be back next week. We'll have real stuff to talk about. We'll see you then.